Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. These two guys have Minnesota sports flowing in their veins. Mackie and Judd on Score North and ScoreNorth.com. Carl, did you find out the news last week via social media? And it's so out of that I found it out from someone who called me. I was packing. So I didn't even know. I was actually packing my stuff in L.A. In, uh, to come here. And um, my financial advisor called me and told me what happened. I said, I have no idea what he was talking about. So... And then right when he told me, magically, the microphone went off and said, breaking news. And I said, oh, I guess you may know something. I thought it was fake when he told me. I was like, that's not true. That's some Twitter nonsense, probably. Welcome into the bonus scoop that we do each Tuesday. Zolgad, executive producer, Declan Goff. And the star of the bonus scoop is our scoop master and also Channel 5 Eyewitness News scoop ace, Darren Doogie Wolfson and Dugs. As the wolves turn, the soap opera is back on. Um, let's just briefly touch on that. If you have a star player, okay, a star player, and you and I'm not saying that you should consult said star player, but if you're about to blow out the president of basketball operations, don't you call that player and say, hey, heads up, we are parting <laughs> ways with Gerson Rosas. Don't you at least not... Make it so he has to find out from his financial advisor and then from his cell phone? I mean, probably, yes. Like, Glenn Taylor made the drive up from Mankato while in the car. Make that phone call. I also sense that Glenn, Ethan Casson, others, Mark Laurie, had a sense, have a sense that Cat and Gerson Rosas we're never exactly tight that Carl was never going to be bothered by such a move. I think for sure you make the call if cat was incredibly close with the Pobo, but in this case, not a close relationship whatsoever. So I suppose they just thought, you know what? He can find out like everybody else. That's what spurred the WTF tweet. Like, if anybody, because there was instant reaction last Wednesday, Judd, mostly from Wolves fans, but I even think a couple, I don't know if they're credible or not, but reporters, maybe with the blue check mark on Twitter, I don't even know that, but suggested that Cat is somehow upset by this news, that he might ask out because of this news. Yep. That's hogwash. Like, that is so bleeping laughable. Like, no, not at all. Like, Cat is really close with Ryan Saunders, okay? Mm-hmm. The Saunders family. Mm-hmm. When Cat was in town at different points, 
during the off season, you know, he spent a lot of time in LA, but when he was in town, like him and Ryan connected, like they have that sort of bond. Cat survived the news of Ryan being fired. He certainly will survive the news of somebody he really wasn't all that close with, Gerson Rosas, being fired. Cat is not demanding some sort of trade because Gerson Rosas has been fired. Right. Well, and and th- that's the problem, I think, with Twitter in that sense, from an athlete's perspective, it is like we see just a quick, brief WTF, and we're like, well, this must mean something. But, yeah, I'm just a little bit surprised that they didn't call and say, hey, Carl, heads up, we're going to fire this guy. Um, as, as we're now about a week out from Gerson's firing Doogie, do you have any more intelligence about what went on behind the scenes there as, as far as not, not the inappropriate relationship, but just as far as, I mean, I keep hearing that this guy was basically a tyrant that people couldn't stand him. And it's weird because he presented himself to us as sort of a nice, very professional guy. Um, and I guess my question to you is this, uh, since you talked to lots of people with that team, how did they whiff so badly on not like doing their due diligence to find out that this guy, once he got the, the keys to the car was going to drive it straight for a cliff. All right. Well, let's go sequentially, Judd. They conduct a search going back to approximately late March, early April, mid April of 2019 they formally announced Gerson Rosas as the new Pobo early May of 2019 Chauncey Billups was in the mix Calvin Booth was in the mix Trajan Langdon was in the mix winger from the Clippers front office was somebody they thought highly of but he bowed out he decided not to pursue the job I think because he heard Previously, of a lot of dysfunction here. Like, did he really want this to be? Because oftentimes you get one shot. You know, you may not get a second shot to be a Pobo. So I think he did his research and figured, okay, do I really want to be the Pobo underneath Glenn Taylor? Does that make logical sense? I'm young enough. Let me wait out the right opportunity. Mm-hmm. In the case of Gerson, he went through, now it's to his credit, but he went through interview classes he knew exactly what was coming his way he had previously interviewed for a few pobo jobs you know like go to the google i forget the specific ones but charlotte potentially was washington in the mix brooklyn before they hired marks i'd have to look at the full list but sure he had gone through the process previously so he had a good idea of the questions that would be thrown his way as for Chauncey Billups and Calvin Booth, they used the same person to help prep them. Unfortunately, during each's presentation, there was some overlap. There were some inconsistencies or consistencies, I guess is the way you would put it. Like those in the room said, okay, Chauncey's got that on his PowerPoint display. Why does Calvin have that exact same thing on his PowerPoint display? Okay. And Like, I don't know, you can decide if that should have been a big deal or not because, like, if you did a lot of research on Calvin Booth, Calvin should have been the hire. You know, like, Calvin, and he's number two now in Denver. He's ascended up the Denver front office ladder. 
Like, it's when not if Calvin Booth will run a front office. You know, like, I would not have necessarily marked that against him. But I think they did in some respect. Also, Gerson just wowed them. Like, Gerson knows how to to win over a room. Like, I'll just tell you this much. Somebody who knows Gerson really well that no longer works for the Wolves but did work for the Wolves, like, used to go to chapel with Gerson, was convinced. Like, never in a million years would Gerson cheat on his wife, right? Even, like, to the moment where I told this individual, I go, you know, I first heard about it August 15th, not necessarily my business, only became my business when at the Minnesota United game a couple Saturdays ago, some photos emerged, actually some video. I don't think the videos emerged yet, but there is video is my understanding. But the photos certainly emerged. By the way, the photos, there was some buzz at Media Day on Monday from, from some Wolves folks. I mean, they've all seen the photos. At that point, you know, other Wolves employees started to become uncomfortable. You know, then, you know, they announced the firing. It's not like anybody broke it. The Wolves make the announcement. Last Wednesday, Gerson Rosas fired. So then you start calling people, talking to people. You learn all these sorts of things. So I end up talking to this individual, and I go, just so you know, I don't think it was the sole reason, but I heard that that he had cheated on, on his wife. Mm-hmm. This person said, no, not possible. Like, yeah, he can be an ass. He treated people poorly, not everyone, but treated some people poorly. Mm-hmm. But, like, never in a million years would Gerson have done that. And then eventually, you know, a lot of us ended up with the photos. And, you know, I sent this individual the, the photos. Floored. Like, he couldn't believe it. Like, he still was in complete shock. Like, Gerson had fooled him to that point. Like, just with them going to chapel together, that, like, Gerson just wasn't capable of, of doing such a thing. Now, is it universal, Judd, that he treated everyone like crap? No. No. Gerson has some fans. Heck, me personally, he treated me really, really well. Never he turned down our show. Yeah. an interview request. Right. I told you that right after the Patrick Beverly trade broke, although some people probably haven't heard this, but right after the Beverly trade broke, I recorded a new Scoop podcast. Within that podcast, I said that my understanding is there wasn't a whole lot of collaboration there, that this was the president of operations and – He's able to do that. Like, sometimes you need to make some singular decisions. You don't need to collaborate on every single move. He's got the book on Patrick Beverly, Rosas did, going back to their days in Houston together. Like, go for it. That's your guy. Go make that trade. But I also said within the podcast that, hey, just don't sell me on the kumbaya stuff, the collaboration. You know, we're a family. That's BS. Like, I know you're trying to change the, the perception because, you know, Tibbs in many ways, you know, for lack of a better term, you know, dictatorship. Mm-hmm. We want to change that perception. I don't care if the Pobo goes and makes a move like that. Fine. Just don't sell me on on the collaboration crap. And so I said that on that scoop. It got back to Gerson. He wanted to talk to me on background about it. He wanted to clear that up. We ended up talking on background for 40 minutes, 37 minutes to be exact. Uh, a member of of the media relations staff lined up the call. We hashed it out, and then he ended up giving me a bunch of good stuff on Ben Simmons, some other stuff. And, yeah, like, did he probably want me in his corner? Probably. But, like, he can play that game. I can also play that game, right? He can give me a tip. I can 
run it by some others, figure out if, you know, he's lying to me, if he's telling me the truth. He ended up giving me, you know, a bunch of good stuff. You know, he told me Lindsey Harding, you know, former Lynx player, great player at the University of Duke, longtime WNBA player. She's now a coach with the Sacramento Kings. He told me about her being a finalist, you know, until they hired Elston Turner. They were looking at her, Lindsey Harding, to join Chris Finch's staff. You know, he told me about some of the stuff, you know, the back and forth between him and Daryl Morey. Like, he was very, very open. And I'm not the only reporter he did that for, right? Like, right. you can think of a guy at ESPN that, that he had a very close relationship with, you know, tipping off oftentimes. That's, that's part normal. of what we do, I right? I that's totally normal. Yeah, those relationships. Right. You get a bunch of information. So I'm just telling you, like, he was in many ways gold to me. Mm-hmm. He was gold to you guys. There's some other people that he brought in after being hired, May of 2019, that to this day, will tell you he's a good person. But there's enough people that that he did rub the wrong way, including not even just with the Wolves. Like, I can tell you, Judd, there is an agent who works for a prominent agency. He's not the big dog, but this is a top five agency in the league. They represent multiple, you know, max-type players. They've negotiated huge contracts for many, many years. This agent's been around the block enough, though. He's got clients, okay? He has reached out to Gerson a number of times. You know, oftentimes to pitch Gerson, maybe I'm bringing his client in on a training camp deal, right? The Wolves needed to fill out the roster for some training camp contracts. Maybe that guy eventually ends up in the G League with the Iowa Wolves. Gerson never got back to this agent. And to me, just get back to the agent and say, not interested. Right. That's fine. Like, you're right. allowed to say no but at least get back to that person. Mm-hmm. And so this person just not happy with Gerson. You talk to other front offices, you know, some of the, some of the trade negotiations where those started at, you know, Gerson trying to bring back a star, giving up peanuts, you know, or, you know, some people pitching him on some cat ideas or some other ideas right. where he would ask for, for the moon. So I just, I know he rubs Spielman does that. Offices the wrong way. Everybody does, Rick that, does that too. And yeah. I mean, that's the normal, you know, so, like, that's not unheard of. No, so it's a and, culmination, though, Judd, of okay. treating some people like crap, yep. rubbing enough people the wrong way. Yep. I can tell you, when, when they went to the Bahamas late August of 2019, remember one of those yeah, bonding kumbaya. trips? Yeah. Kumbaya. Yeah. And so Glenn Taylor approved that trip, but I don't think he approved the amount of spending they did on that trip. What do you expect when they go to the Bahamas? You go know, to McDonald's? So, you know, using the company credit card. Yeah. Loosely, well, that's Glenn's the inappropriate fault. relationship. Well, yeah, which, that's a... two consenting adults, right? But you probably just you don't and workplace. You don't in his position. Workplace, just workplace not, at a at a soccer game. Not no, a good idea. I agree. Then yeah, at the soccer game, being very public. Also, yeah, Vegas soccer. Summer League. So how about this soccer. story, Judd? You ready for this story? Vegas Summer League. Yes, bonus okay. scoop. Of course we are. You ready for this one? All so right. somebody I know. Is in Vegas, okay, for summer league. He brought his wife along for the trip. His wife knows Gerson's wife, okay? The person I know, his wife is walking around the wind in Vegas. Spots Gerson with the former team employee, the woman he he's having this relationship with. Whether it's still ongoing, I, I don't know. Frankly, again, not necessarily my business, although... You know, she's married with three kids. He's married with two kids. Like, you think about 
Yeah, that's you know, good. families possibly being broken yeah, up. It's just not it's funny. sad. Like you wouldn't wish that upon your worst enemy. Okay, so to finish the story, uh-huh. so this woman knows Gerson's wife. She then goes to the person who told me this story that knows Gerson. Hey, did did Gerson's wife like has has she been exercising a lot? Did she change her hair color? She had a very different look. Oh no! And like this person goes, no, <laughs> unfortunately, no. Like oh. you know, and they were pretty open about that at the win. And so this person spotted them. Presumably, others spotted them. So that was that was at Vegas Summer League. You know, first week of of August, right? Or maybe you know August eighth or August ninth, right? You know, so you know the, the word was out there for a while. So culmination. Do I think everything sped up last Wednesday because of what took place at the United game? Yeah, I think that's a safe assumption, Judd. Nobody's told me that even on background, but I think it's a safe assumption that you don't make that sort of move yep. five days in front of media day, six days in front of training camp, which opens today. You don't make that sort of move if those pictures don't don't emerge, right? Like the week prior, Gerson Rosas is on the stage introducing Torian Prince, Patrick Beverly, Leandro Balmaro, reintroducing the restricted free agents they re-signed, Jordan mm-hmm. McLaughlin, Jared Vanderbilt. I don't think Gerson does that a week prior, then all of a sudden gets fired six, seven days later without yep. those photos emerging. Interesting stuff. So let's get, get into the introductory press conference. Mark Laurie, A-Rod, and, and Glenn on the stage uh, to start media day yesterday at which we, we sort of get the, we sort of start to get the handing off of the baton, which is going to be a gradual process of ownership of the wolves from Taylor to A-Rod and Laurie. Um, I want to start with this question. Glenn Taylor made it sound like, uh, Sachan Gupta is the is going to be in charge of this franchise, and he really didn't make it sound like there's a timetable t- of we're going to do a search. He's just like, no, he's going to be in charge. Um, is that the case? And and if that is the case, that seems to me to be a little bit of a of a leap not to at least consider conducting a search. I see a search coming, Judd. It's a weird time right now to conduct a search. But do I foresee a search happening? 100%. Do I also foresee Sachin Gupta being a part of that search? 100%. He will have a chance to ride this thing all the way through. Let me add on on Glenn. So Glenn said on the record, I don't know if it was on stage or he held court with a few of us afterwards, small scrum, Mm -hmm. where he said, you know, I'm just starting to get to know Sachin. Right. I mean, he admitted just, you know, with COVID and everything, just it was hard to get to know everyone. And so he really didn't have much of a relationship, still doesn't. I'm told it's like even beyond that, like Glenn might have known the name, but like, I don't know if he could have picked Sachin out of a police lineup. Like there just there hasn't been any sort of relationship. Now, Glenn will start to get to know because trust me, Glenn going back. 26 years has always had a really good relationship with the final decision maker. Like he wants to know everything that's going on. Even at 80 years old, Glenn still wants to know everything that's going on. So Sachin and Glenn will soon form a pretty close relationship. There will be probably daily phone calls at times, but like right this second, 
like Glenn really doesn't have much of a relationship with Suchin, but like he's paid his dues. He was the runner up a year ago for the Sacramento Kings hobo job. He worked in Houston. Houston tried to bring him back, right? Philadelphia, Detroit, like he's ready. He is. And like, he's a listener. He's not one, you know, that, that, that is an alpha. He's not an extrovert, you know, like he's going to listen. I think he recognizes some of the weaknesses he has, like in terms of maybe in-person evaluation. Like, do I think he's the guy that's going to be scouting the NCAA tournament, you know, jotting down a bunch of notes? No, he'll probably defer to others. Maybe he goes, but you know, you defer to others on, on some stuff like that. But in terms of analytics, you know, relationship building, being, you know, uh, very receptive to, to just about everyone, including even interns. Like, you know, you're never going to see him like David Conest, you know, smartest man in the room. And I'll let you know I'm the smartest man in the room. Like, that's not that's not such an Gupta. So I think he'll have a chance to stick. But, yeah, make no mistake. They are going to conduct a search. You've heard the names. Like, enough people. I can I can tell you I've heard it too. Like, Mark Laurie likes Elton Brand, who's number two. In Philadelphia, I've heard the name Landry Fields. You know, I brought up Calvin Booth. I mean, Calvin Booth still has fans. I mean, Ethan Casson knows Calvin well. You know, Tanky, others with the Wolves, you know, they know Calvin Booth well. So I would hope he'd be in the mix too. But the two names certainly that that I've heard from a couple people, Landry Fields, Elton Brand. So they're going to, you know, they're going to do a search. But yeah, I mean, Gupta will have a chance. And heck, Judd, if he, if he somehow convinces Daryl Morey, somebody that he has a good relationship with. They were together in Houston. Heck, I'll, I'll tell you this much, Judd. Sachin Gupta and Daryl Morey have a better relationship than Daryl Morey and Gerson Rosas have. That doesn't mean that the Wolves have the assets that Philadelphia is looking for. But if Daryl Morey at some point lowers his demands for Ben Simmons, mm-hmm. Sachin Gupta is very creative, the creator of the trade machine. He can get very creative. If he can find a third team, which is something he'll work on, that he's already working on, but he'll continue to work on. You know, like if Sachin Gupta completes a Ben Simmons trade, you know, that might that might convince Glenn, Mark, Alex, hey, this guy knows what the heck he's doing. Like, let's hand him the keys full time. Okay, that's my next question. For the next two years or so, how is this franchise going to run? Like, like how much is, is the new group going to have control of things to, to decide? Because... Um, it, it's, it's going to be no surprise to me if, if Ethan Casson is gone at some point in time, because there's just change made. I mean, presidents are, are often changed. Uh, top executives are changed, but that, that only happens if the Laurie A-Ride group has their say. So, so trying to cut through the crap because they're certainly not going to say, yeah, we're going to come in and overtake Glenn. Putting the pieces of the puzzle together from your end, Dugues, how do you think this plays out as far as decisions as far as who decides on hires all all of that which to me is fundamentally probably the most important thing towards getting this franchise on the right track as soon as possible or does it have to wait well I'll just tell you what Mark Laurie we asked that question in some form to Mark and he said this is Glenn's team like Glenn is the final decision maker Glenn has power until December of 2023. This is presuming that Mark and Alex get their finances in line, that they're in a position to buy out Glenn completely. The plan is December of 2023. 
for Mark and Alex to become majority owners. Until then, you know, according to Mark, Glenn has final say. That being said, now maybe this is more gut, you know, hearing from some people, sifting through some stuff, but nobody said this necessarily directly. But like, do I think Glenn deep down wanted to fire Gerson last Wednesday? I pause on that one. Do I think Mark and Alex, more so Mark, I sense, but certainly Alex to some extent, do I think that their conversations with Glenn helped push Glenn over the top to make the move? Yeah, I think think a lot of the information Mark and Alex have gathered, they talked to a lot of people in Vegas. They certainly talked to all the players, but they talked to others. I mean, you think about, you know, Dr. Robbie Sick on his way out, you know, certainly Suchin, others. I mean, they've talked to to enough people gathering information. Uh, do I think that, that the information they gathered once they went to Glenn with it, you know, pushed Glenn forward? I do. So I think it's going to be like that where, you know, Mark and Alex, you know, they're going to talk to a lot of people. They'll be in town for 20-something games out of the – out of the 40, 41 home games, they're going to be here enough. Not every single home game, but I would bet about 50% to 55% of the time they will be here. They will go to some road games. Uh, they are going to buy a place here in town, set up shop. I think they're going to immerse themselves greatly in the organization, continue to do so, and the community. And, and I think they'll be able to influence Glenn. Glenn can be influenced. We've seen that over the years, right? Oh, like, yeah. You know, going back oh, many yeah. years, like Glenn didn't want to trade Ricky Rubio, but was convinced by Tibbs to trade Ricky Rubio. I can cite many examples. So do I think that Mark and Alex can have an influence on Glenn? I do. But like specifically, let's talk Ben Simmons. Okay. Let's say something very hypothetical because there's a long way to go. But that Sachin Gupta has a trade to bring to somebody for final approval. We've got this deal. I can get us Ben Simmons. We're keeping Anthony Edwards. We're keeping Carl Anthony Towns, probably keeping D'Angelo Russell. I can bring us Ben Simmons. I just need ownership's final approval. The first call he's going to make is Glenn Taylor. It won't be Mark Laurie or Alex Rodriguez. Now, do I think Glenn then, in turn, you know, or maybe such and thereafter, reaches out to them? Yes, but I'm just telling you, the first call on something like that, a big decision like that, where you need final owner approval, that will be Glenn Taylor until December of 2023. Oh, I need to move on quickly. Um, I need to move on to Gopher football, though, which is a disaster right right now because the loss to Bowling Green, as far as I'm concerned, is probably a top five awful defeat, not in PJ Flex time, but in program history. Tell me this: as you begin, as you get set for the Big Ten opener uh, in West Lafayette, Indiana, against the Purdue Boilermakers on Saturday, it's my opinion that either Tanner. Morgan needs to be benched or or you need to take a long hard look at Mike Sanford Jr. who is your OC your co-OC and chief play caller and strip him of play calling duties is there any chance the golfers make a significant step like that because I don't see Dukes how you can excuse what took place at Huntington Bank Stadium on Saturday against a terrible Mac team I don't foresee, Judd, anything changing for for this Saturday. The Big Ten West opener, by the way. I mean, don't forget, they played relatively well against Ohio State. That's the issue. 
It's a You're massive right. roller coaster. Played pretty well until Mo Ibrahim goes down right in that game yep. on September 2nd against Ohio State. Yep. You know, then the roller coaster goes down, but they find a way to beat Miami of Ohio. Then it goes up as I'm sitting in your living room watching the Gophers demolish yourself over. a Power 5 opponent. I did. I had to get you some cookies. I'm very high maintenance. High maintenance, yeah. Dukes. Oh, yeah. And I'm a good yeah. host. Classic. And I'm a good host. Roll out the I gave carpet. you a pop, Fig Newtons. I came through for you. Wow. Yeah. I offered to bring some pizza, but Judd said, no, we've got it covered. I've got everything I need here. I, so I got Fig Newtons. You lay out the red carpet, so I'm at your house, yep. your mansion. Yep. I'm there on, on, what, September 18th, yep. watching the Gophers destroy a Power 5 opponent. Killed them. Right? Destroy, killed them, right? 30 so Roller coaster nil. back up. Now roller coaster down, which... How do you see this coming with it's such a down, veteran track, team? Dude. It's they off the tracks. Yeah. I mean, it, it didn't go down. Tracks. It went but bang yeah, right off the track. It did. Yeah. I mean, when when Bowling Green comes in with, with a 10-game FBS losing streak, when the yep. Gophers have a 21-game non-conference winning streak yep. on the line, when you're a 31-and-a-half-point favorite, yeah, it did. It, it went off the tracks. I, I won't debate that. It's such a roller coaster, though. Like, I might even take the the points in the Gophers on Saturday in West Lafayette. Like, Purdue's best receiver, is he still in the concussion protocol? I believe he is. Last name Bell. Like, we don't know if he'll play. Mm-hmm. You know, Purdue, a number of weeks ago. But still, they lost their number one tailback. If you watched any of Purdue, Illinois, you know, Purdue was very underwhelming. Like, I'm just telling you, I can see the Gophers going back on an upswing because they've just been totally inconsistent. But to answer your question... I foresee Tanner Morgan as a starting quarterback on Saturday. And, like, we would have had news by now. Mike Sanford Jr. is going to be the play caller. Now, what I don't get, and a lot of us questioned this at the time, because my fear was Matt Simon would end up leaving, even though he's from the Twin Cities, that he would end up leaving. So my fear was, so he calls the plays during the Outback Bowl victory over Auburn, which seems like forever ago, but January 1st. 2020 pre-pandemic he calls the plays Matt Simon was the play caller for that phenomenal performance yeah Tyler Johnson made some outstanding catches you know maybe the balls weren't placed perfectly Tyler Johnson rescued Tanner Morgan oftentimes that day but nonetheless that was a phenomenal performance when you talk about best victories in program history or at least you know modern day program history like the Auburn victory probably is top 10-ish top 5-ish I mean, that was super impressive, okay? Matt Simon called the plays that game. Why wouldn't you hand him the keys thereafter? Like, that was one heck of an audition. Why would you bring in Mike Sanford Jr.? His offenses for years had gone south. Like, I – that was the first guess. I didn't necessarily get it. That, but then you give Matt Simon the title of co-offensive coordinator. It was an excuse, a way to give him a raise, mm-hmm. to convince him not to bounce. And I think PJ knows, like, Matt Simon wants to be here for a really long time. Like, he's from here, right? I think he was a star receiver at at Farmington High School or whatever position he played. But, like, he's from the Twin Cities. Like, Matt Simon wants to establish roots for a really long time here is, is my sense. And I just didn't get it at the time. And now we've seen it play out. But, like, I can tell you, the Fleck Morgan relationship is still rock solid. I can tell you preseason. PJ's had talks with Tanner about Tanner coming back next year to use the free year, right? So normal circumstances, this would be it for Tanner Morgan, but he's got the free year if he wants to utilize it, that PJ at one point preseason, so maybe it changes as the year goes on. 
but preseason, PJ was talking to Tanner, or at least talking to others. Maybe he hadn't talked directly to Tanner. I can't tell you they had this conversation, but he had brought this up with others minimum, probably brought it up with Tanner. The idea of Tanner using the free year to come back next year, be this team's quarterback in 2022. So that just tells you how strong that bond is, Fleck, with Morgan. Now, if Morgan continues to to fail, if the passing game is not existent, how many passes did they attempt against 13. Bowling Green? That's what I don't understand. One deep against ball. the Mac team. They, they they took one deep shot to to Brown Stevens, right? And and it failed and they didn't try it again. And I just right. didn't get it. I, I really didn't. And yeah, the offensive line with multiple NFL players got beat up pretty good on Saturday. Yeah, that was Sons a hard one. Blitzes. They weren't yeah. they flat out were not prepared to play that game. But with Morgan, what I don't get is there's a clear lack of trust there. Like he threw 13 times against a Mac team. If you don't trust your quarterback to throw more than 13 times, you've got other options. You I'm know? with you. Zach Anikstead. Yeah. I'm biased. He used to train with a guy I know in Plymouth, uh, quarterback institute guy. I like Zach Anikstead. Like, there's a lot of arm talent there. He throws he won a the better job. ball. Back in Tanner. 18. Back in 18, way back when, before he got yeah, hurt. Back when he I was won young. the job. He beat out PJ Fleck determined Zach Anik said was better than Tanner Morgan. Yes. So what exactly has changed? I'm just telling you, Zach Anik said is a legit number two option. Like, mm-hmm. I don't think they'd miss a beat. I think the passing game would grow. Now, do I think he'd throw the occasional interception? Take some chances? Yeah. Well, Tanner's Tanner Morgan did that Saturday. Yeah, well, but for the most part, Tanner's just not going to take a lot of risks, right? So, you know, in that regard... You know, you can play conservative. They've played uber conservative a lot of times non-conference. Hopefully it changes as they ramp up the conference schedule again here on Saturday. But go back to last year, Georgia Southern, South Dakota State, how vanilla some of those game plans were, how they had to come back in those games to win them. When I say that, what, two years ago, also the Fresno game last year, right? Because COVID was just a Big Ten schedule. But 2019, Georgia Southern, South Dakota State, even Fresno State, who normally has a good program, but remember Antoine Winfield Jr. had to come up huge mm-hmm. in that game. They had some vanilla game plans in those non-conference games. Hopefully we see a change as we get back into, into conference play. We did see a little bit of Colorado. Like, Tanner wasn't afraid to throw Chris Altman-Bell a 50-50 ball. You know, he has to trust some of his other receivers, like Dalen Wright. I would throw a 50-50 ball to him. You yep. know, uh, some of the other guys, maybe, Jackson, maybe, but – Certainly right, you know, if he's right, you know, 100% physically. Right. And, you know, Ottman Bell practiced on Sunday. Fleck told us on on Monday. He left early on Saturday, so that did not help matters. But nonetheless, even losing Chris Ottman Bell, you need to win that game, right? Like, you were a 31-and-a-half point favorite for a reason. And it is alarming. Like, the stat that jumps out to me is that 0-17 number, right? When, When Fleck teams are trailing at the half, as Gophers coach, I don't know what it said when he was at Western Michigan, but Fleck Gophers teams, Judd, when trailing at the half, are 0-17. Now, let me also add, Jerry Kill's Gophers teams also were pathetic, putrid, when trailing at the half. So this has been an ongoing issue for a long time. Gophers teams trailing at the half, it's inevitable what the result will be. But even on Saturday, when they took the lead in the third quarter, yeah. Dude, I thought they'd win. So like, I. I did not 
I did I not see run a away. loss coming. Even when they were trailing at the half, Judd, I tweeted it. Like, I'm like, this is now the time. Yeah. Like, I thought, this is it. They're going to win a game when trailing at the half. It was then a bad, it's a bad Mac quarter. team. It's not thinking, like you're, for sure. It's not like I, you're down yeah. to Penn State, Dukes. I know. And so, like, and I get it. Halftime's small anyway. I think halftime adjustments can be overrated at times. Like, how much time do you really have? As guys get in there, College, grab a banana, you, got like three days. you know, go pee and all that stuff. How much time do you really have to make, you know, serious adjustments? But, hey, like, look at the Vikings. You know, and I get it. It's apples, oranges, pro college. But the Vikings yeah. seem to do a pretty good job making whatever adjustments they've made at the half, especially defensively. The Gophers just haven't made adjustments. And this this predates Fleck. I mean, Kill had the issue, too. But certainly we have a pretty high expectation for P.J. Fleck. I think a lot of people say, okay, Jerry Kill took them to a New Year's Day bowl game, but Fleck 2019 wins 11 games. He's knocking on the doorstep of winning the Big Ten West. Our expectations for P.J. Fleck are higher than they were for Jerry Kill. P.J. Fleck has every bell and whistle he needs. He's got the Taj Mahal of practice facilities. He's got every staff member. He wants a way bigger staff, and it was needed. This isn't a knock against Fleck, but Kill did not have every resource that right. P.J. Fleck has. So for, for myriad reasons, our bar is significantly higher for P.J. Fleck. So at some point, they need to win a game when they're trailing at halftime. All right, sir. We'll talk to you Thursday with Phil until, and we'll, uh, I'm sure, talk more Wolves and get into the fact that these that the Wolves eventually are going to need a new building. That's a whole different discussion. Thanks, Doogie. Oh, Appreciate it. Oh, yes. At least they're fully vaccinated. They're in the process. Yeah. A couple guys... You know, a couple of guys didn't talk to us yesterday, Balmaro, Beverly, read into that however you want, but they are in the process, right? They've gotten their first shot. You know, they're just waiting the the little amount right. of time they need to, what is it, a, a few weeks to, to get the second dose. At least the Wolves have that covered. When you think about a few teams dealing with, with some COVID issues, you know, sure. the Warriors, the Wizards, like heck, you know, any talk of the Warriors trading for Ben Simmons, although it doesn't sound like they've been in the mix for for at least a couple months, maybe made an inquiry call at some point. But, like, if you're Philadelphia, you're not trading for a player that isn't vaccinated, right? There's certain cities he can't play in. Like, you would need Andrew Wiggins to make the money work in all likelihood. So, like, you can take Golden State off the table for any Ben Simmons trade. Talk to you, Dukes. Thank you. All right. See you, boys. Bye-bye. All right. Take care. Whether it's Baker's Simple Truth Turkey or Mac and Cheese with Murray's English Cheddar, or pie made with fresh cosmic crisp apples. There are many dishes we look forward to sharing during the holidays. And Baker's has all the fresh ingredients you need to turn today's holidays into tomorrow's memories. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Get more ways to save at the Buy Five or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone. The Venture X Card from Capital One gives you more of what you love, like premium travel benefits and access to Taylor Swift tickets. Oh, I do love her. Earn five times miles on flights and ten times miles on hotels through Capital One Travel. Enjoy your stay in Suite 13. Whoa, 13? That's Taylor's lucky number. Plus, get access to Taylor Swift The Eras Tour, presented by Capital One. Maybe I'll see you there. The Venture X Card from Capital One. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com for details.